Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. We welcome you back from the weekend. It is a game day in the Stanley Cup Finals. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon. Peter Klein and Logan Gordon with you today. One hour of hockey talk to get the afternoon started on a Monday. Coming off of a weekend where we saw the Dallas Stars take a one nothing series lead. We will chat with Sean Shapiro from The Athletic. He covers the team and he will be talking with us at about 12.30 or so. Plenty of room for your text as well at 960-960. But we kick off the show with uh, yesterday's birthday boy, Peter Labardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Happy belated birthday, Mr. Labardius. How are you today? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Klein. I am just fine and just want to give a shout out to all the uh, kind people that chimed in yesterday with some very nice wishes. Um, birthdays, by and large, for me, especially at this stage, I try to uh, forget. But now more than ever, it has just become, to be honest, a bit of a look back at people who reach out. And I, I just I, I enjoy it just from thinking about all the amazing people in especially working in 35 plus years in this business that I've been lucky enough to encounter and be around so that was probably uh the best part you know what wasn't the best part is the nine minutes of football that i allowed myself to watch and that's all i watched because they don't deserve any more of my time at this point um as far as the minnesota vikings are concerned that's who we're talking about folks um i'm i'm hoping very much for owen 16 <laughs> and i'm not well, and i'm not even being sarcastic i'm really not yeah, that was. They look closer to zero and sixteen than a playoff team right oh, they're now. They're working. Uh, they're working on it. They're yeah. working on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll, we'll spare you more of the the football <laughs> talk because that was right. that was a lot for you to deal with. Uh, not often do we get to talk about the Stanley Cup final. I mean, never do we get to talk about no. the Stanley Cup final around your birthday. Uh, no. But here we are, game one in the books. The Dallas Stars are three wins away from uh, the Stanley Cup. What did you see in game one? You know what I saw? I saw victory Peter Klein from Friday. That's 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 what I what I saw. <laughs> Remember when we talked about would it be Rust or Rast or you know all those things that we try to predict? Um, I didn't see any Rust, and I didn't really think that I would see a lot of Rust. And in fact, I'm going to shelve this one in the old memory bank for one reason, and and that's this. Um, I think four days, when you think about the run that Dallas has been on, is probably, Peter, the perfect amount of time. You know, it, it gave you a couple days to truly enjoy being in the Stanley Cup final for the first time in a long time. And then you kind of get back to work. So you don't really get out of the rhythm, which I think becomes more of a conversation if you have, you know, let's say seven or eight or nine days off in between. But probably the greatest takeaway, and, and I don't know if you shared or not, but certainly curious as we discuss, is Tampa, on the other hand, looked like they could have used another day. They just, like, yeah. you could tell very early that they just didn't have a lot of get up and go. They didn't have a lot of juice. And I don't want to take anything away from Dallas. I really don't. Because, as, you know, these playoffs have gone on, and we'll get into it, and you're going to get into it more exclusively 
at the bottom of the hour with Sean Shapiro of The Athletic, who covers the team. Um, you know, our buy-in on the Dallas Stars and who they are and what they've become has been surprising in nature, Peter. But And we're going to talk about this tomorrow. And, and I'm, so I'm going to set it up in this regard. Because sports tend to be a bit of a copycat league, and even as we get ready for the draft, and had a great chat with my good buddy Sam Cosentino this morning, um, and this comes as much from him as it comes from me, you know, with St. Louis winning, with Dallas, you know, being in the final, and trust me, I, I think Tampa showed more of themselves in the final 20 than they did in the first 40, but I think you know where I'm going. Um, style. Is it about blend, style, or to me, what it, it really speaks volumes of, I think, for Dallas, is is a little of everything and depth. I don't know if we've given them proper, proper due for their depth. No, I agree. And it just it's another guy stepping up each night. Game one, it's Joel Hanley, who I, if you would have said Joe, Joel Hanley plays in the NHL, I may have called you a liar. I hadn't heard a whole lot about him going into this one. And he comes up with a goal. And I thought, Lou, that one was kind of a, a perfect, I guess, just summary of the, to your point, Tampa Bay being a little bit worn down. That first goal, I don't think Bogosian makes that play if he has a couple days rest where he goes to take care of the guy who hit his teammate instead of taking care of the puck. And then all of a sudden you have an odd man opportunity in front of Vasilevsky and the Dallas stars, as you say, now have that depth to take advantage of uh, Tampa Bay, maybe being a, a little bit slower. Peter, I think it's part of that. I also think the recipient of that hit being Braden point and a mm. Tampa team understanding his importance to their group and the fact that you'll never convince me and almost know it for certain, he's nowhere near 100%. So I think as much as you could point to fatigue or some a decision early in a game that he wouldn't normally make, uh, I not you know not to go in a completely different direction because I think it plays in, but don't you think it plays into as to who it involved? And, mm-hmm. and they are very, very aware of him, him not being at 100%, but it's true. You know, it puts you that decision because, you know, Braden takes a hit from Kiviranta, who talk about depth and five goals in nine games. Yeah, we all saw that one coming for sure. Um, no, we didn't. Um, and he played a great game, I thought, on Saturday. I thought he was one of their best players. But you're right. Um, you know, Tampa made some some critical mistakes and that was one of them and you you start to chase it and you also feed the momentum and confidence of the other group um you know we'll get to it a little bit more in a couple of minutes but you know if if i was predicting and i don't like the prediction business but you know camp i think like a lot of other teams you know through this run has found out in game one about exactly the devil they're dealing with and 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 they're not that fun to deal with. No, no, that they they make life very miserable on on oppositions, and there there's it's just been incredible. Like we said, there's been one new guy 
it seems like stepping up. You, you talk about Kivaranta, uh, Joel Hanley with this goal. It just seems like every day there is someone else stepping up for this Dallas Stars team and the style that they play. Like it just has to be an absolute grind going four to seven games against these guys. It is. It is because of their depth, their size, their physical. And, you know, really at this point, we'll see where it goes. There, there's two players, even though I didn't set it up this way for us, but I'll go there because you set me up for it so nicely. To me, the two biggest surprises for the Dallas Stars in terms of people that have made a massive difference, one I think you could get to, and that's the goalie. I'm going to let you or even Logan guess at who might be the other one. Hmm. Logo, do you have any guesses? Do you guys have a guess? I'm not sure. Okay. If I said Jamie Alexiak, would that fit for both of you? Oh, yeah. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like think, about, think about the mileage that the former first-round pick has given the Dallas Stars, how he's solidified their top four. Most nights he's in that 23... 24-minute category. I mean, needless to say, at 6'7", he's a huge physical presence. The other day, all he does is, you know, he scores. He's plus two in the game. He has six blocks and six hits. And, and to me, along with Hudobin, those two guys, the mileage that they have gotten out of those two individuals, has really played, I believe, a massive role. I mean, we can talk forever, and we haven't for good reason, about Haskinen and Klingberg, and, you know, you know, Ben has started to play much better. But, again, understanding depth and maybe some unsung people, I, I just, that's the places I wanted to go to today for Dallas because mm-hmm. those guys have, you know, when, when you have somebody that probably, you know, this is a really good defensive team. We've, we've talked about that in their regular season and where they've gotten to. But I don't know, guys. For me, those, those are, when you say, who are the two guys on that team that have just taken their games to a place that you didn't see coming going in? Those are the first two that I would point to. You guys, you guys might have it go to a different place, and that's fine. But, you know, that's been, for me, a big part of the Dallas story. Yeah, because a lot of people, feel, like you said, Klingberg, Heisken, and Lindell get a lot of the, the ink about this blue line, but Alexiak has been just as solid along the way. Uh, what about it forward? Is there a line that you think maybe yeah. isn't getting as much of the conversation? Well, listen, whether it was Radic Faxa, and he was playing great, he had eight points before he went down, but let's go back to even the Flames series. Guys, was it not, and Logan, I'll bring you in too, was, was it not a big factor in that series that Rick Bonus has been able to match? Now it's Jason Dickinson with Como and Cogliano, and Cogliano missed some time too, right, when Kivaranta came in. But, you know, in game one, it kind of returned, and it's been a big part too. And the point I'm making is if you want to call those guys your fourth group, and that's fair, um, how big a luxury has it been in these playoffs for Rick Bonus against high-end lines, and he did it the other night a lot whenever he could, and he didn't even have the last change. But somewhat like, you know, 
Jeff Ward found himself in, wasn't there a lot of that line against the Monaghan group? There was. And and that line has more than held up its end of the bargain. And, and that's their ability to defend because other coaches, and I get why, and I do the same. You'd like to think that your best people would win that matchup and then give you other advantages. But... You know, if you even check the event summary from the other night, do you guys know that Dickinson and Como both played more than Jamie Benn? Wow. They both played more. And and one of the reasons, now granted, those guys get special teams play, especially on the shorthanded side of the scenario, but didn't you think a big story the other night was that line's ability when matched against the point line to do a pretty darn good job? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And they've, and, and, they've, and they've done it against other groups. Like, this isn't a first. The, the difference is is that, you know, when it was FAXA, I thought they were even more, you know, impressive because FAXA was so good. But, you know, Rick's ability, talking about Rick Bonus, to find himself in a pretty comfortable position, which helps his other lines in the matchup game, I give those guys a lot of credit in a themed kind of segment about, you know, not the Dallas main guys who have made a difference, but maybe some of the guys underneath. Well, when you look at the the Stars run, um, Ben and Sagan have been called out either by their coaches or by media members in at least half of the series they've played. You don't get to this part of the playoffs without with that happening without some of your your underneath guys stepping up and you look at the teams they've played like you said they get a lot of the Monaghan line they played I, I think a, a very big role in the two other absolute juggernauts they faced in Colorado and Vegas so no I, I yes. think it's I, I think that's a great point yeah and then that's you know that's just how I've seen it and you know when you break it down we you know we always look to the main guys and for good reason they have to deliver but you know, maybe just, you know, breaking it down from... Because let's face it, guys, every night it's it's about matchups and who dictates the matchups and what allows you to dictate the matchups. Well, you know, in a lot of situations, when you've been very comfortable to go up against elite-level people with either Faxa, Como, and Cogliano, or now Dickinson, now we'll see how it goes because... It was a lot harder, you know, come the third period to contain Braden Point and Kucherov and Palat. Um, you know, and then in terms of, and I'll just swing into this because I know we have time. We didn't get there on Friday. I was, I was hoping to potentially get there. But a line for Tampa, I think, you know, and it's not that they've been bad, but can they consistently deliver a little bit more, you know, is, is the Johnson group with Kalorn. They just, you know, they only combined for three points in the series against the Islanders. You can't say enough good things, you know, because if you're comparing the groups, I, I feel a lot about, you know, the Dallas line. I feel a lot about, look at what John Cooper has gotten out of the Gord group with Coleman. You know, that, that group has been, and Goodrow, that's been a really, really great group for Tampa. But, but I think, you know, one thing to watch as this series goes along is, and, and you know, the Sorelli line. Now, remember, they have a tough assignment too, right? Because that's generally the group that John Cooper feels really comfortable checking the other team's opponent with. 
So that becomes a hard situation. So if that line, who I'm going to guess will see a lot of the Ben Sagan Radulov group as they did in game one, if they can find a way to be a little bit more productive, you know, how much does that help Tampa's cause as this series goes forward? Albeit, I think their challenge in this series is much more difficult. Well, maybe maybe I'm underselling the Islanders a little bit, you know, but we always have to remember that those those guys who check other people's top people, they matter, and they matter mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, on the Lightning side, we talked about potential fatigue for Tampa Bay. Um, that That's not going to get easier in this series. That's my concern for, for the Lightning, is that the next time you get a couple days off in a row, your season's over. So how, how do the Lightning now kind of deal with that, where it kind of feels like they're already behind the eight ball? Um, they're, they're behind it a bit, Peter, but pointing back even to Saturday, don't you think if you can see more of the final 20 minutes from this group and they're capable that things could turn really quickly, you know, yep. tonight, tonight's a massive game in this series for me. And it's massive, not just because it's about going from one O to potentially two O down, you know what it is for me? It's about can Tampa dictate because for 40 minutes, they were dictated to. And, and as you pointed out, you know, is there some fatigue in terms, or was that just a team that needed to breathe for an extra day? That's kind of my sense. But there's other things at play here. And, and they've had long games. They, they've, you know, even, every series they've won, and maybe it didn't go the distance, but you don't think that playing Columbus, Boston, and the Islanders hasn't taken a toll? Like, those are no fun teams to play against, even when you're successful. So, you know, we'll see in the case of Tampa if tonight, and I think we'll know early, starts to take on more of the complexion of period three and less the complexion of what I thought was a Dallas-dictated first and second. Uh, also tonight, we are finding out who wins the, the last batch of the NHL awards. Uh, the big ones are a lot of the big ones still up for grabs. The Calder, uh, the Hart, the Norris Trophy, the Vesna as well. Uh, the Hart is the, the main event probably of the day with Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon, and Artemi Panarin up for the league's most valuable player award. Uh, do you have a feel on that one or any other races kind of standing out to you going into tonight? Well, I mean, in some ways, two of them stand out for me. And, and two of them stand out. A, one is the heart. And in a lot of people's minds, and maybe for both of you, um, I can truly understand why Leon Dreisaitl is at the top of the list. And I won't be the least bit disappointed if his name is called tonight before the start of game two of the Stanley cup final, um, you know, if I had a vote and I don't have a vote, it would have gone to Nathan McKinnon. And that has nothing to do. Trust me. I, I've, I've been watching Leon Dreisaitl and I've been a fan of his for a long time, going back to his days with the Prince Albert Raiders um, and understand his immense talent ability. I know all the numbers, but, you know, that's a, that's a close race for me. And, and the only reason that I might, just might give a slight edge to McKinnon comes down to one thing, and that was his production without 
so many of his key teammates who spent a lot of time during the regular season injured. And yet he mm-hmm. never seemed to allow that group to drop off and was incredibly productive. And But on the other hand, I also see why, with all of Dreisaitl's numbers and how, you know, he finally elevated his game to a level that I think was so important for Edmonton. And, and that importance for me, guys, was the ability to play and make a big difference without always have to be Connor McDavid's line mate. However, how much, you know, again, depending, and I don't want to take it away, and for some people it's, it's more important, and it's important to me too. Not everybody can score, okay? His numbers are off the charts, and the power play numbers are off the charts, as it was for the group. So that one's great, but the, but the, the crusher for me, guys, and has been for months, how do you decide on this Norris Trophy? Like, honest, oh. to, honest to goodness. Um, and, you know, we got great viewings in the playoffs. I, listen, I understand that those don't matter, and I get it. Um, but they matter to me in terms of just having a chance under the most difficult and important circumstances to, again, evaluate, you know, both Quinn Hughes and the Calgary kid, Kale McCarr, they're just, I mean, they're great talents. So I, I don't know. I, I don't have a really nice coin in my pocket right now because I could use a few more nice coins or bills in my pocket. But um, if ever there was a flip of the coin, oh, my goodness. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if for you guys there's there's distinct favorites or absolute winners in your mind on both of those. But, boy, they're they're – they're pretty neat as far as I'm concerned, just because I'm, I'm not going to have any issue whatsoever if we recap tomorrow, regardless of how those two end up going. No, yeah, it's there aren't many. I mean, when you get down to the top three, there aren't many wrong answers in these, but I'm I'm interested to see where the, the vote goes. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, Lou, enjoy game two tonight. Hopefully it's a, a little bit better than the football you watched yesterday, and uh, we'll chat tomorrow. Well, the great thing is I watch football for nine minutes. I'm going to devote six hours to hockey tonight if I need to. <laughs> well, hopefully it's done in a couple and a half. But uh, if it's six, it'll be an epic one. Either way, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, have a good one, Luke. <laughs> okay, you guys too. Thanks so much. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Always fun chatting with Peter Labardius. We will talk tomorrow about Game 2. Coming up next, Sean Shapiro from The Athletic covers the Dallas Stars. They are three wins away from hoisting the Stanley Cup. This is going to be, uh, it's a huge one tonight. We'll get the breakdown with Sean next here on Hockey Central at Noon, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We continue on here. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you on a Monday. It is game day in the Stanley Cup final game two between the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Six o'clock tonight here on Sportsnet 960. The fan Sean Shapiro covers the Dallas Stars who took game one. Uh, he covers them for the athletic and joins us now. Sean, how are you today? I'm good. Good. How are you doing today? 
Uh, doing well, thank you very much. It's, um, again, very weird to be talking about the Stanley Cup Finals alongside baseball and the NFL, but thus is 2020. Uh, the Dallas Stars certainly see nothing weird about it as they took a one nothing series lead. Uh, but before we get into the specifics, what did you take from Game 1? Yeah, I, I look at Game 1 as uh, there, there's two main things that stood out to me. The first one is the fact that the Stars are able to play their game with anyone. Every single step of the playoffs, the question has been, okay, the Stars were able to frustrate Colorado. Can they frustrate Vegas? They're able to frustrate Vegas. Can they frustrate Tampa? Um, and I think game one, to me, showed that the Stars can do that with anyone. And obviously you win game one of the series, you all of a sudden you only have to go 500 to win the Stanley Cup now. Um, but to me, that game one performance for me showed Dallas can play their game where they can frustrate Tampa, they can get the timely goals when they need. And even on a night when Tampa got 22 shots in the third period, you look at the quality of those chances, and Dallas really just took away all the quality, and it just was more, more noise and quantity. So game one to me proved Dallas can play their game against Tampa. I don't know if they can do it for – I don't know if it's enough to win the series, but obviously it's – they think they can do what they did to Vegas and Colorado. And then the other thing, too, the Stars, obviously, for, for me, the Stars, it was all about jumping on opportunity, too, because um, I do think this is going to be a long series. I think Tampa is obviously going to have, have some retaliation in, 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 in its game as it comes back. And finding those windows of opportunities like game one where Tampa was the more tired team and, and, and they're coming off a little bit more tired. You need to take advantage of those things. And if the Stars can keep playing their game and finding those those things to take advantage of and seizing opportunities, um, I mean, as I said a couple couple seconds ago, they just have to go three and three now in their next six games and they win the Stanley Cup. It's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, just play 500 and you'll get to win the Stanley Cup. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Uh, we talk about uh, frustrating teams. Um, we, we just talked about it with Peter Labardius in our last segment. How important have Cogliano, Como, and insert other forward here, whether it's been Faxa or Dickinson or whoever's been with that line, but how important has that group been in getting the Dallas Stars to where they are? I, I think it's huge. It's, it's something where it's that group is able to get the other team's top line. Um, and in the Colorado series, it was going up against the, the McKinnon line and while McKinnon still got his points, they, they frustrated them a little bit in this series. It's seeing a lot of the point line and being able to essentially shorten the game when that line is working at its best. And obviously it has taken a little bit of a hit without Fox. I think Fox is really a driver on that line and someone they're missing, but Dickinson has, has filled in admirably. I think when you have that line working as well as it does, it shortens the game for Dallas, where it shortens the game to a 45, 46-minute game, and that line is able to effectively take out the other team's top line. And you only have to look at it where, okay, we can win this game. We just have to win the 46-minute contest or whatever it is against all the other lines because that line will play zero-sum hockey in both ends effectively for and that, that that to me is huge and I think it's something where other teams have noticed too what that line has done and they're a big part of the whole frustration and I think it just kind of leads into it bleeds into the rest of the Stars game and you can't ignore how effective that group is on starting the forecheck and everything like that and we've seen the Stars forecheck obviously throughout this playoff has been such a key kind of tip for them. 
looking at, at the, the Dallas Stars run, and obviously we know the big guys like Ben and Sagan, but it does seem like a different guy is stepping up from underneath every night. Um, Curry Vanta has been uh, an absolute legend for some people in these playoffs. And then in game one of the Stanley Cup final, uh, someone named Joel Hanley gets a goal for the, the Dallas Stars. Uh, his first of the postseason. Uh, g- give us a little bit more info on uh, Joel Hanley, who opens the scoring in the Stanley Cup final in 2020. <laughs> I like to joke that the uh, the Joel squad assembled for Dallas because there's always been the uh, <laughs> even even throughout the regular season they have a forward named Joel Esperance who actually wasn't on the 31 man travel roster but it always seemed like whenever a guy was called up from the AHL there's about a 50 percent chance his name was Joel um, and so Joel uh, Joel Hanley Joel Hanley is a guy who it's, it's amazing to think about because he's someone who coming into this postseason. Um, before Roman Polak decided to opt out, he was ninth on the Stars' defensive defensive depth chart. And he had only played about 11 or so games in the regular season. All of those came all the way back in November. And he's come in. Stephen Johns is unfit to play. Taylor Ferdoon got hurt. He came in and got an opportunity. And he's played really good, simple hockey. He's played the type of game that you want from a third-pairing guy. And he is... uh, and then in game one of the Stanley Cup final, he scores. And it's it's a great story. And Joel Hanley is a guy who he was he he was a big he's a big leader for their AHL team down in Cedar Park, Texas. He's a, the, the minor league team. He was really there as a as a calming force for them. A lot of the guys looked up to them, looked up to him. He's kind of he was kind of the veteran leader for the AHL team. He was only ever really signed as more of this organizational depth guy and. Now, when you talk about guys scoring a Stanley Cup goal, obviously everyone's very happy, but he's one of those guys where this kind of reverberates throughout the entire organization. You've got a lot of guys who have seen what he's done, um, have seen what he's done for the team, just seen what he's done for a bunch of the younger guys. It was it was a fun moment for this team to see a guy like that have that big of a moment on the biggest stage. Chatting with Shen, uh, Sean Shapiro from The Athletic here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan talking Dallas Stars. Um, obviously, game one goes really well for Dallas. They pick up a 4-1 win. No game is perfect, though. Any adjustments you would like to see mm-hmm. the Stars make going into game two? Yeah, I mean, for, for Dallas, the third period is, well, they limited the quality. They definitely don't want that much quantity against in, in the third period. They can't. They can't have get out shot twenty two to two on a consistent basis in the third period. You can get out shot sixteen to seven, sixteen to eight, or whatever, something like that. But you can't have absolutely zero time spent in the offensive zone. So obviously that needs to change for the third period. Um, the other thing, just the stars need, um, and just kind of to me, it's the one kind of breakthrough. It's 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 funny to be able to step it still with the stars still being this deep in the playoffs. Um, the Stars need to get a couple goals from Tyler Sagan, really. Um, and that's something where he's only got two so far. He's only has two so far in the playoffs. And the Stars are in game two of the Stanley Cup final. So, obviously, it's they've found ways. But if you, you keep, there is still this feeling for me that if the Stars are going to win the Stanley Cup, at some point, Tyler Sagan has to do more than just be a good piece of the system. He has to score some goals. And that's something the Stars keep looking for. And... Maybe it happens tonight. I don't know, but it's, it's something where I, I know the, the coaches keep talking about Sagan's play, and they say they're happy with what he's doing. But knowing Tyler, he's a goal scorer, and he needs that goal to just really take it to another level. 
It really is kind of crazy to think about where the Dallas Stars are when Ben Bishop has, for all intents and purposes, not played in the Stanley Cup playoffs at all, and Tyler Sagan has three fewer goals than Joel Curry-Vanta. Like, it, it, it's kind of wild to think about where Dallas is at with those two guys basically giving you nothing this whole run. Oh, 100%. And it, it's one of those things where, obviously, the Hudobin story is great. It's, it's, it's a fun, fun story, but as much as you could... You couldn't have predicted the Hidovin story this way. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, he led the league in save percentage and everything like that. We all know that there's a big difference between being the backup that gets to play 30 games a year and, and you know, guys clamp down a little bit more when the backup's in goal and then being the guy like this. I mean, it is – Anthony Hidovin's story is tremendous. What he's done is as, – as much as it's fun for the starters to say, oh, we were never surprised. Obviously, it's a little bit surprising. And just all of the – Little little storylines that pop up here and there and everything are great just to follow with this Stars team. Um, it, it's one of those where there's there's so many storylines to me that just kind of go hidden because they would be a bigger story if not for all these little things popping up. Like for example, one of the one of the things that I think as a group we kind of missed is and yes he scored in game one, but Jamie Alexiak in this playoff run, Jamie Alexiak hasn't just been Miro Hishkin's running mate, Miro. Jamie Alexiak has looked like a legit top four defenseman of like an elite top four defenseman. And that's, that's the, that's the type of storyline where it kind of got hidden because well, Joel Hanley scoring big, big goals. Um, you have, uh, you have guys who are undrafted instead of Finland scoring game seven hat tricks. So all these, these, these kind of sexier storylines with, with goals have kind of hidden some of these other smaller contributions. It's, it's kind of a fascinating team to cover with all of this. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine uh, the, the amount of storylines you've had to write about throughout this whole thing. The, the Hudobin one, obviously, we're focused right now on the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but as soon as it's over, basically, he becomes a free agent. Um, how, how do you see this offseason playing out? And with his play, how high has Hudobin moved up on the, the Dallas Stars priority list this offseason? Yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating because... Jim Nill has stated that uh, it's a priority to get Anton Hudobin signed. Um, and it should be, obviously, with what Hudobin has done and everything like that. But it's going to be interesting to see what the market what the, what the market for Anton Hudobin is because I think the Stars, and I, I know the Stars can afford Anton Hudobin against the cap um, for next season. They can, they can afford him for next season. It, and they can even and they can afford him for the following season. The issue that Dallas has to make a tough decision on right now is Anton Hudobin, with how he's played and what he's proven in that his age, may be looking for that final contract of his career. He may be looking for that three, four year deal. And I don't know if the Stars can offer that to him because you've got Ben Bishop locked up for three more years with 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 no move and no trades in there. Um, they have Jake Ottinger, who they view as a current first round pick, who they view as the goalie of the future. They've got some young guys. Miro Hishman's going to have a big contract extension in two years. Can Anton Hudobin fit in the three-year plan? And I don't know if he can. And that's going to be the fascinating thing, how the Stars make that work. Because obviously, they'd love to have him back. They want him back for next year. They will, they'd love him back for two years from now. But if Anton Hudobin is looking for three, four years, I don't know if it works in the long, Stars' long-term plan. So it's going to be fascinating to see how all, all of that plays out. Um, it's one of those things where I was just talking with someone earlier today where I was comparing it to, you go back to, 
ironically enough, a team connected to Jim Nell all the way back to 97 where Mike Vernon wins the Conn Smythe and then is gets traded to San Jose in August a couple of months later. I, I don't know how this is going to play out. It's fascinating. It's, I think it really comes down to what does Hudobin want? What are the stars able to make work? Because it's, it's going to be and, – and then we, there's all those other swirling goalie storylines story that we could talk about forever with all the other guys on the market too. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one for you, obviously very Dallas Stars focused. That is kind of your jam. Uh, but what about Tampa Bay? Well, what did you see from the opposition mm-hmm. in game one? Um, I saw them get more frustrated than I think they've been in the entire postseason. We talked about Dallas and frustration. I think I saw a Tampa team that got a bit frustrated. I think case in point, we saw Patrick Maroon flipping the puck into the Stars bench right before the end of the period. Uh, we saw we saw some of those signs that in, in Tampa's body language they were frustrated. I think the other thing we saw with Tampa too is they were tired. They were coming off a they were coming off a longer series with the Islanders. They had less of a break. Um, they were playing. They were they were playing, and and I don't know if they were as mentally sharp. I look at the goal by Hanley. I mean, Bogosian deciding to basically try to Bogosian basically deciding not to play hockey on the play and deciding to try and get retribution for a hit leads to the goal. So I think Tampa wasn't as mentally sharp um, and or physically sharp as as they could be, and I expect them to be more so tonight. So. We talked about the stars and opportunities, and so they took advantage of that opportunity. But I expect a much better Tampa team tonight, this evening. And um, there's a reason they've been one of the best teams in the bubble, uh, even even though they are down 0-1 in this in this series right now. Sean, awesome stuff, man. Thanks for taking some time. I understand covering a team in the Stanley Cup final is probably uh, a little busy. So thanks for taking a few minutes today, uh, and enjoy game two tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. There is Sean Shapiro from The Athletic, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Again, a reminder, Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final is on our air tonight. Sportsnet 960, the fan has it coming up at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage has essentially already started. We'll talk some other stuff throughout the day, but, you know, it's probably going to come up throughout the big show starting at 1 o'clock. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll put a bow on this edition of Hockey Central at noon. Uh, perhaps a bit of controversy um, involving a couple things around the station, too. Uh, it's going to be a fun last segment here of Hockey Central at noon coming up on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Putting a bow on Hockey Central at noon, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today as we are now five hours and ten minutes away from the start of Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We are into the Cup Final, obviously, that's why we're playing it for you tonight. Uh, So that means playoff pools are getting down to the nitty-gritty. Here to talk about our playoff pool at Sportsnet 960 The Fan is Kevin Walker from Iconic Electric and Controls. Kevin, how are you today, sir? Pretty good, Peter. Yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, We have one round to go. The Stanley Cup final. uh, This is where a lot of gambles have either paid off playoff pool wise or crashed and burned and failed miserably. Uh, How how are things looking in our playoff pool as we enter the Stanley Cup final coming off of the conference finals? Yeah, I think we're we're pretty much down to a two horse race here. Uh, We've got the Lords of Lettuce and uh, Mr. Pinder's team uh, would be in the lead right now and the winner of the last round. But 
Um, Mr. Pender's got a lot of lightning on his crew, and uh, the Lords of Lettuce are pretty heavy on the stars. So I think it's going to come down to who puts up points and who wins hockey games uh, on the last, uh, you know, maybe three or maybe six hockey games of the season here. I love that it comes down to like that. That's that's basically how you want this to play out, right? Like one team's got a bunch of lightning, one team's got a bunch of stars, and let let's just have at it. I, I think that is almost a perfect way for this thing to wrap up. Yeah, there's four points separating them uh, with Mr. Pinder in the lead right now, but uh, there's a lot more Dallas Stars te- uh, players on the other team uh, than than uh, Ryan has in terms of players for the the lightning on his crew. So. He's going to need Braden Point to get a lot of a lot of goals or assists, um, or he's gonna he's gonna have to uh, have Mr. Hedman maybe pick it up a little bit. But it's uh, it's going to be a tough one. He's he does have both goalies though, so a shutout for either team would definitely help uh, Ryan's team out. But uh, like I say, with Heiskanen and uh, Radic Faxa and, and some of the other guy and Jamie Ben on the other crew, it's it's going to be a good finish here in the pool. So. And as always, when Pinder is involved, it's not just Dallas versus Tampa Bay players right now. It basically sounds like this is a battle of good versus evil. Like, we, we can't we can't have Pinder win at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think I have to be like Mr. Bettman here and, and you know, just hope that all competitors have a good, healthy final. But uh, I think <laughs> the, prevailing, the prevailing theme here is going to be a lot of people rooting against uh, Ryan based on some of the feedback that you hear on the station from time to time, so... Uh, now, it's not just for bragging rights, although with Pinder, everything is for bragging rights because everything is bragging worthy. Uh, but we have some uh, some big prizes up for grabs here. Yeah, so there's the, the grand prize uh, in the final round is the um, the smoker that uh, Paradise Bay has donated. So that's a pretty sweet uh, thing to get set up for the rest of the football season. Uh, I had mine going this weekend. And then also the Backyard Meets uh, crew donating the the gift cards. Uh, there's uh, quite a bit of money to be spent on some good Alberta product, and uh, you know to go with that uh, with that smoker from from Paradise Bay. I, I was thinking about this this weekend. We we always get very excited about summer for grilling season and stuff like that. I think fall grilling is a little underrated. You said getting out there and, and cooking it up this weekend. Fall is a really solid barbecue smoker time. I, I feel like that does not get talked about nearly enough. Yeah, it's pretty low maintenance. I mean, it depends what you're going after, but, uh, you know, you kind of set it and forget it with a pellet grill, right? It, it really doesn't mm-hmm. work for you, and, and the quality always seems to be there. Uh, it's hard to miss, and, and I think, you know, when we get days like we had yesterday and hopefully a few more between now and, uh, you know, and the snow flies, um, it, I think it's a great way to, to spend time around the house, um, maybe with your close group of friends or family that, uh, you know, you're kind of you're associating with these days, and, uh, you know, it, it really uh, it is underrated for sure. Uh, Kevin, awesome stuff, man. Uh, what, what's going on uh, over at Iconic? Yeah, I mean, we're we're getting ready for the winter season here. Um, you know, it, obviously, oil and gas is pretty slow and pretty uncertain for a lot of companies right now. But uh, we're we're trying to keep everyone safe out in the field, uh, trying to get our our crews out there working with our customers and supporting them in, in the way that we always have, and we'll continue to do so. Um, and you know we're 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 working on a few things. Obviously, we've got some things that we normally do with kids sport in the fall, and that's under some review right now. But um, yeah, we're we're looking forward to the to the fall, um, getting people out, out to work safely and supporting our customers. Uh, well, Kev, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this today and providing us a, a bit of an update. And once again, boo Ryan Pinder. I know you can't say it, I can say it though. Uh, but uh, thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Sounds good, Peter. Have a great day.
you too. Uh, there is Kevin Walker from Iconic Electric and Controls. Uh, again, cannot stress this enough, uh, Logo, as we bring you into the conversation. Um, Kevin has to stay, uh, obviously, very much impartial, cannot cannot pick favorites either way. We can't have Pinder win this thing, can we? Like, we, we will never hear... The fact that he's in the, the top two, we'll never hear the end of, but we, we can't have him win this thing. No, I believe Kevin should uh, use any sort of executive powers or... Uh vetoes that he can adjust maybe take some guys off of pinder's roster whatever needs to be done to make sure that this doesn't happen mm-hmm. yeah no pinder I, I don't know if you remember you actually did decide to pick marty st louis i don't know why i look i thought it was a weird one at the time too but that's it says right here would i lie i would not lie so no that's uh that, that's going to be a little tricky to maneuver as <laughs> as they go along uh but interesting to see another layer to the stanley cup final uh we, we've had our say about the cup final over the last little bit. Logo, what did you make of game one lightning against the Dallas stars? Well, it was kind of, you know, it did have the kind of feel of a team that's been off for a couple days and one that just came off a, a tough series. I think tonight will be a, a really good indicator of what Tampa's got in the tank for this one. And uh, I mean, look, every time we keep doubting Dallas, they seem to to bounce back and prove us wrong. Uh, a two nothing series lead would certainly uh, change the outlook for this series for me and probably for a lot of people. So we'll see how Tampa Bay responds. I was uh, not shocked by what happened in game one, but uh, Anton Hudobin continues to be uh, a pretty big story in the Stanley Cup final, and we'll see if he can uh, lead them to the victory of three more wins to go for Dallas. Uh, also tonight, as we talked about a little bit with Lou, the um, NHL awards getting handed out tonight, at least some of the, the main ones. We've had a few trickle in throughout the last week or so, uh, but tonight the Calder, the Hart Trophy, the Norris, uh, the Ted Lindsay, and the Vesna are to be handed out. We talked about the Hart and the Norris with Lou. The one that has my attention the most is the Calder Trophy. And with all due respect to Dominic Kubalik, who had a fantastic game one in the play-in round against the Edmonton Oilers, and we are forever indebted to him for vanquishing evil in that sense. This is a two-horse race with Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. We had the talks during the the pandemic. We're still in one, but during the time where we had no sports on, we, we did our, our awards thoughts. I, obviously, nothing can change from that point on because the, the postseason doesn't really matter, but I am so fascinated to see how this one plays out. Hughes v. McCarr tonight. Yeah, especially with both of them in the West, not to, you know, play into the Eastern bias, but a lot of writers, a lot of people that cover the game are out East. And, you know, even last year when it seemed like, you know, Jordano was the runaway favorite, we still kind of went into it with like, ah, you know, but a lot of people out East don't see them as often. So we're not really sure how this is going to go. So I, I am curious as to where uh, voters leaned on this one. It does feel like a two horse race. You're right between, uh, Hughes and Makar, I, I, I don't really know where it's going to go. Yeah, I, I like I don't Hughes, have a... but I mean, mm. it could easily see it being Makar. I don't think either one can be mad either way. I think it'll be close. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very, very close. Um, I, I, I think it'll probably be Makar. Uh, just there was more high-end buzz on Makar this year than there was on Quinn Hughes, but I'm I'm not going to scream robbery either way on this one. And as has been discussed before, I think this is going to be a voting conversation somewhere down the line in a, a Norris vote. I, I think these two guys 
are that good. And when you look, I think that's been the main storyline of these Stanley Cup playoffs is the young defensemen stepping up. Victor Hedman could come away with the Norris Trophy tonight. Uh, he's been fantastic. Haskinen's been great. We're seeing those two guys in the Cup final. Makar and Hughes stepped up in a big-time way. Shea Theodore was one of the only human beings who could score on Thatcher Demko in the first round. Um, or in the second round, sorry. This is... We got a lot of really good defensemen that are coming along, and we got a couple up for the Calder, and that's uh, getting handed out later on today. I'm sure they will discuss it in the Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Henninger Toyota, where playoff season means red tag savings with payments on a new RAV4 for as little as $12 a day. Check out red tag deals at HenningerToyota.com. We will break when we come back. Hour one of the big show. Ryan Pike will help us break down game one of the Stanley Cup final, uh, and uh, Logan and I will try to get through the entire segment without tearing our ACLs, as apparently that's the thing in fashion to do right now after just a disastrous week in the NFL. We will discuss all of that and your text at 960-960. Coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.